Hello, everybody, and welcome to Jason. another episode. Jason, it's the Rams Review Podcast, supported by Manscaped. Support for this podcast, like I said, is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So basically, Jason, what that means, if you look a little bit more like Joe Ledley, but you kind of want to look a little bit more like Connor Salmon, Manscaped is the site for you. Jason, I know you've been using a couple of their products. What have you been using and what's it like? Absolutely. I, I've, I'm very lucky to have been trying the new 4.0 lawnmower men's grooming tool. And I've been absolutely blown away with it, to be perfectly honest with you. It's the engineering of it, the sleekness, the design. It's great. It's got wireless charging. It's, it's optimized. It's got multifunctional cuts. It, it's even got an LED. You know, I, I shower in the dark because that's my life. It, it, it works perfectly. It, everything that you need in a men's grooming product for, for down there and, and wherever else absolutely works for me 100%. And I've been using some different products. I've been using the, the foot deodorant that they have, which keeps my feet nice and dry throughout the course of this long, hot summer that we're having here. And I know that you're having over there as well. And I've been trying on their new underpants. Would you like to see how they fit? No, I'm fine. Thank you. Fair enough. A lot of people have said that as well. So I also look at myself in the mirror because again, that is my life. And Jason, I think we've got a bit of a deal for our, for our listeners as well today, don't we? We absolutely do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RAMSREVIEW, all capitals, RAMSREVIEW, at manscaped.com. Make me time the best time. Your balls will thank you. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews, and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review podcast. And this is the episode that we should have done last week, but obviously with everything that went off, it got postponed. So we're doing it. We're doing it now. I appreciate that we're seven days late on talking about fixtures and preseason, but last week's revelations were, were a little bit more important to talk about. But we still do like to talk about it, fixture Release day for me is is normally really exciting. You get to find out when we play in the Red Scum and, you know, various Christmas, Boxing Day festivities. And um, Corey, an, an interesting one for the last game, last away game this season, if Derby County are in the championship. But I don't know if you've seen the League One fixtures. It's not actually a bad last game of the season either if Derby are relegated to League One, because I believe it's Burton Albion which would be a very interesting last game of the season. Bring on the uh, Brew Crew. Yeah, but we, we we will focus on where we are at the moment, and that is obviously in, in the championship. But to join us, we've got a new face, a new face for the podcast for, for, for this season, and hopefully more if he's interested. We'll wait and see. And that, that, that's Dan. Dan, how are we doing, mate? Welcome to the Rams Review podcast, and thanks for being a part of it this season. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All, all good here. Looking forward to yeah, tuning on the Rams for another season. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. No, not a problem at all. And, yeah, we, you'll be able to hear Dan's dulcet tones regularly this season. Um, let's make a start, Corey. Um, fixture release day. As I say, for me, normally it's the one thing that, we look, that I look forward to. A little bit different this season, obviously, because there is football because of the Euros. Um, and as we obviously touched on with, uh, with Kieran uh, last, last episode... Unfortunately, the, the events of the previous night kind of put a little bit of a downer on, on, the, on fixture release day for me. What, what, what did it do for you? I was doubly excited for fixture release day because I had two sets of fixtures to look at and study. So, I mean, it was like double the excitement. It was like fixture release day. Well, how about we do fixtures for two different, two different leagues? <clears throat> so it was, uh, it was massively much more exciting, Jason. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, I think... You know, when you release a statement at 11.45 UK time, that's just that's just bad business practice um, from the EFL. Obviously, I'm sure that Darby knew ahead of time of that. 
um, release, but you know, Ryan Conway from the athletic had reported that a lot of the Derby staff and, and whatever were in bed and weren't able to react to it. So it, it just, it's just bad business from the EFL to, to do that. And I know we'll talk about the EFL um, in more detail, but yeah, I mean, the fixtures look kind of tasty. I mean, definitely Blackpool away in April rather than in like February, get your sticks of rock and your speedos out. Cause Corey will be on the promenade strutting his stuff. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully if it's, if it's okay to do that, because you know, you know that my dad is a, as a Blackpool supporter, Jason, I, I watch quite a few Blackpool games, not as many as Darby. Um, but it should be, should be a very interesting, uh, interesting trip to the seaside, especially if Darby need to get three points to save themselves in the championship. It could be, could be two teams battling it out to stay in the championship. And then obviously the last home game of the season is Cardiff city away or Cardiff city, um, at home. home. So, yeah, so that, that's a tasty one as well, because Cardiff under Mick McCarthy, they're, they're, they're a difficult side to break down at the best of times. And, you know, they were in the playoffs in and around the playoff hunt again, this season. So. I would anticipate them to be there again. So again, if you need to get three points on the final day and you're playing Cardiff, Ooh, I don't know. That's a, it's a bit of a tough one. Dan, what was your take on it? Yeah, I think um, that statement led us to, to two separate, you know, fixture lists for different leagues, which is a completely strange one. Not, not something I thought I'd ever see, but um, yeah, no, I've, I've looked more at the sort of first five games, you know, what start we might get off to with, with the squad we've currently got. Um, yeah, I think it will be a, a tough season, full stop. And um, at this point, I think every single game is almost the same where we're going into it as a, an underdog. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting season. And that final game, it always plays out to have some significance of some sort, doesn't it? Whether it be a team such as Derby staying up or making the playoffs or going up. Not that I think we're at that end of the spectrum. But, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting season for sure in the championship. I'm confident in that. Thing. So... As, as you mentioned there, Corey, Blackpool away. Um, if memory serves me right, the last time Blackpool were in the league, Derby played them the last game of the season at Bloomfield Road, if memory serves me right. I vaguely, vaguely remember dancing around in the uh, in the Trafford bar, uh, several beers in, um, and walking out the game at halftime because the entertainment on the seafront was much more interesting than what was actually happening in the in the game. And I That's think Derby really actually lost that game. Jason. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to imagine you dancing. Sorry, <laughs> but no, it, it, it is great that you know that will be. It might even be a farewell to the championship uh, final, uh, you know, final away game at Blackpool. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that. But that one's obviously one that does. I think everybody was kind of looking at that one. Oh, when do we play Blackpool away? It was always expected to be on a cold Tuesday night in January, but we're quite lucky that it, it's fell that way. And, you know, in terms of other, other fixtures, of course, you always look at, at the first game, the first home game, first away game, Christmas, Boxing Days, birthdays, bar mitzvahs and all that kind of thing. Um, and I'll touch on those to start off with before we, we do go in depth on those first five, like Dan's just mentioned. But yet again, Huddersfield, first game of the season, Corey, but this, this time at home, I mean, the words I'm about to say don't really ever come in the same sentence with Derby County, but if all was well and you was going into that, that start of the season, you look at those first five games, yes, you've got a promoted team in Peterborough who obviously their first home game they for our first away game, they're going to want to start the season well. But you look at those first five fixtures and in all fairness, they're not, based on last season, uh, position it, final positions, it isn't a bad first five, is it, for Derby? No, it's very tasty. When you look at it, obviously, Huddersfield, like you said, at home at Pride Park. Then they go away to, to Peterborough and Hull. And then they've got home at Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest, which is in and around my birthday. When you look at those first five fixtures, Derby could easily, if if the squad is in a good position, if there's more than 14 players, which, again, we will talk about, or 13 fit players uh, that we'll talk about later on, you could be looking as many as 12, maybe even 15 points. And that gives you a rip-roaring start to the season because – they are winnable games. And then Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest, you know, there's going to be a lot of personnel turnover there. We know that because those clubs generally tend to do that. Warnock's always tough, um, as is Chris Hutton. But, you know, when if you win your first three games, you go into those next two full of confidence and you could easily walk out of there with, with, with 12 to 15 points, which is an absolutely great start. And I also like to see Nottingham Forest get that game in and out of the way early on in the season um, because, you know, early season games, anything can happen. And it's sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the game is bigger than what it is, and the occasion they make the occasion bigger than what it is than just a you know a championship team. I know that there's 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 an intense rivalry and there's a hatred and you know the the geographical location, and I agree with that. I understand all that, but sometimes I feel like just treat Nottingham Forest like another game. So 
you can you can play the game and not the occasion in a way. So you could easily sit there and, and get twelve to fifteen points points out of that, and 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 that would be a an amazing start. But again, we're not in a perfect world where Darby have a complete fit firing squad full of full of top class signings right now. No, and I think if you uh, Dan, if you if you looked at those first five based on the fixtures and results we got against last year, I'd be surprised actually if we picked up five points, let alone fifteen. But we know our our bad form we were in. But as Corey's just mentioned, there we haven't got to wait long for the first East Midlands derby. Normally it's at the at the City Ground first, so actually having having the game at Pride Park first will be nice as long as fans are allowed in. If I miss another one, I think I'm going to go insane because they're just not the same watching them on the telly. Although when the game's actually on, you know, the, the passion kicks in. But yeah, that, that first uh, that first game against against Forest, nice and early in the season. Your opinion there, Dan, like Corey's just said, sometimes actually it might not be a bad thing to get it in and out the way. W- what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think it could be quite key, actually, that, that first Forest fixture, because as we say, we're not in a, a perfect world with the squad at the minute and, and where the club's at. Those first four games, I think, with two promoted teams coming up and having momentum, you know, we might we might struggle to pick up points in those those games. Um, so it could be one where people are starting to get a little bit a little bit jittery, and there might be quite a bit of pressure on that game to, to try and pick up points. I don't disagree. I think it's good that it's it's early doors, and we can kind of relax and not have that extra burden of the the rivalry, um, you know, further down the line. But yeah, it could be the case that actually that might be dare I say like the first win. Perhaps that's what we're looking to get at that point. Um, so it'll be interesting for sure. And yeah, a change, isn't it, to have it at home so early on. So looking forward to it when uh, the fans are back in, hopefully. No, absolutely. Um, and be- obviously before a couple of other key standout dates, uh, I've, the first in that first five, we played two of the of the newly promoted sides, which, you know, again, is, is you would hope, you would still hope, even though Derby did struggle last season, the experience and all that, you know, you'd still hope that that's, that's not a bad that's not a bad start. And to be fair, you're, you're well into September um, before the first, I don't want to say real test because I think that's a bit disrespectful to the others, but for the first uh, Premier League of, side of, of last season to come to come in uh, with that trip to trip to the Hawthorns um, mid-September. And as you say, you've, you've probably already had six, seven league games, I think it'll be. You're, if you're through, you're probably into the third round of the cup already. It's not, That's right, yeah. you would expect West Brom to be up there. You, you would have to expect them to be. So actually before a first real big name test comes, you're 10 games in and after 10 games, you can start to see a bit of a pattern already to the league, can't you, Dan? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like, like you say, going back to the on-paper aspect of the fixtures, we couldn't probably ask for anything better, to be fair. I think um, at this point, you know, it's, it's unexpected what we're going to get from Derby on the pitch. So, um yeah, perhaps it's hard, harder to predict, but I think, yeah, on paper, that run-up to, to getting West Brom, we, we could be in a strong position if, if things go in our favour and we do start to churn out performances on the pitch. Um, and yeah, I, I agree, West Brom will be up there, so that will be the first, in inverted commas, tough game, the big game that you'd expect from the ex-Prem teams. So, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, the heart says, let's wish for, you know, a couple of wins and a couple of draws and, and maybe even a couple of cup wins, but um, we'll wait and see what the squad looks like and, and we'll see where we're at, I guess, when we get there. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and to be honest with you, Dan, I'd, I'd, I think I'd be quite happy if Derby kind of just went, started the season, went under the radar. Like you say, with those first five games, picked up the first win at home, picked up the first win away. That That's key. We know the struggles that Derby have had in previous seasons when they've not got off to the greatest of starts. And, and seven or eight points from those first five or six games actually might not be, dependent on points deduction pending, who knows. But actually, that, that might actually be, even though the fixtures do look on paper that little bit they're quite favorable i think for derby just yeah. getting just getting that start because if they start as bad as they were last season for let's face it the majority of it derby are going to find themselves really in trouble from the get-go and then you've got 40 games to be chasing your ass and i don't think derby are in a position where they'd be able to cope with that to be perfectly honest with you um cory one of the other the other things that i look, always like is the fixture festivities uh, in and around christmas and new year and my wife won't agree, but Derby at home on Boxing Day um, after I'm full of turkey is is always a great is is always great. I mean, when they're away, it's great to go when they're away as well. But actually, a home game, and I think that's the first one for a bit. Actually, I think the last obviously last year we didn't go, and I think the year before was away. So um, it's always nice to have a Boxing Day fixture. I like a Boxing Day fixture, and West Brom 
as we've just we've just mentioned West Brom at home it's it's not a no disrespect it's not a lowly Birmingham City it's not a, you know, it's not a, a lower team it, it's going to be one of the favourites for the league on Boxing Day you'd expect a full crowd if a full crowd's allowed in um, and hopefully you know Derby have, have had a pretty decent off of, of a season but uh, one to look forward to yeah definitely I think you know it, the thing that I noticed is that both West Brom and Stoke are not too uh, obviously Stoke is um Stokes away and West Brom come, come to Derby. So obviously it's not like you're going to have to travel far, uh, Jason, when you're full of festive cheer with Turkey in your belly. Um, and yeah, like you say, West Brom's going to come. They're going to be one of the favorites for the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, they are a very good side. Uh, you could see, you know, they're obviously they had a great end to the premier league season. Obviously they've changed manager now and got Valor and Ishmael. And so they're going to be a completely different beast. They are, I, in my opinion, they're still one of the favorites for promotion, no matter who's in the dugout because of the players that they have. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be really good. And, and like you say, if, if the stadium's full or if it's full to whatever capacity the stadium can be at, whether it's 30,000 or 15 or whatever, we don't know what that's going to look like. Um, it's going to be a really, really interesting game for that. Um, and it hopefully will two, two teams that are competitive at the, at the, or at the right end of the table, at the top end of the table um, to take that. And then when you look at the fixture on the 29th, that's just down the A50 um, at Stoke. So again, not a massively long away trip. It's not like you go into Norwich or Bournemouth or something like that, or, you know, Carlisle or something. Obviously I know they're not in the league, but you're not going, you know, a million miles away from home over the festive period. And then even on, even the new, the first, the first game of the new year might be a tough one with Reading because they were a bit of a different animal last season. Um, but again, it's not like you have to go into central London for it. It's kind of on the out, uh, out, uh, outskirts as well. So um, yeah, I think the festive fixtures are going to look great. And hopefully by that time, Jason, uh, me and you and Dan will have already been met up because I will uh, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, people get back in the stadiums. Um, I won't get COVID and I'll be able to fly in and, and we'll be able to, to hang out and, uh, and say hi to each other in person, which will be great. Um, but then again, also, you know, like I said, those festive fixtures, they are, they're almost as tasty as your wife's turkey. <laughs> well, to yes. listen to the podcast so we can say no, this, no, but I'm just kidding, yeah. Jason, your wife's an amazing uh, cook in case she does. That's fine. No, and, to be honest, as we've mentioned, last away game of the season, Blackpool, that, that will be great for the fans. Fingers crossed there's something to celebrate towards the end of the season. That, for me, could be mid-table mid mediocrity. I really don't care. Just That will be a nice one for away fans, fingers crossed. And then, of course, the last game of the season at, uh, at Cardiff. If anything's riding on that, who knows? That might... Yeah, that could be tough. One of the things I did look at is, obviously, you, know, you look through the fixtures, and I don't know if either of you have, have caught this. Um, if you look at Watford... In back into the Premier League, um, if you look at their fixtures for December, um, they've got f- six games in a row in December. They play Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, all in a row, which, which is absolutely in- incredible. Just looking through those fixtures, there. I mean, yes, you might get back-to-back games that look tasty. Again, we can only pre- we can only go on what we're expecting on paper, but when you actually flick through those fixtures for Derby, there's not. A, sometimes you get a month. Like, look at last season. I know COVID obviously sandwiched the games together, but we looked at that December season before we looked at that running where we had six out of the top eight, uh, as it was at the time when you know at Project Restart. This this set of fixtures, if we go on on the Championship ones, of course. There's not a block of games there that, to me, really jumps out and goes, that's a difficult four or five in a row if Derby are you know, really, really struggling. There's always a couple and then another one that they might just be able to you know, pick themselves up so they don't, don't run into that slump, Dan. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, I was just looking at the full fixture list and there's, there's not a whole month, I agree, which looks really scary. There's a few months that have a couple of tough games. I think, I think out of all of the months, November could be quite quite challenging. There's a couple of um, away games in there. Admittedly, Barnsley have lost their manager now, but Barnsley and Fulham away, uh, and you've got Bournemouth at home in between, Bournemouth being an ex-Prem team. That that could be the one where, you know, just this side of, of Christmas, we're starting to, to face some tough fixtures. But no, it's, it's quite evenly spread. I think every game in the, the Championship's, you know, a chaotic game, isn't it? You can't, you struggle to predict them. So, um every game could be a, a challenge. But in terms of back-to-back games where you think that month's going to be tough, I don't think it's gone against Derby, really, which is good. Yeah, I was going to say, for, for everything that we, we understand at the moment, I think Derby are probably going to need all the help they can get with that next season, which we will be going on to um, a little bit later on in the chat. But Corey as a whole, you know, it, 
for me, it, I enjoyed COVID football in some respects. I enjoyed the game every three days. It's why I enjoy the Euros. I like watching football. You know me. I know you. We both love what, watching football. But actually, I am actually quite getting looking forward to getting back to some form of rhythm because I, I do think it affected a lot of teams last year with, with the amount of games. We, we certainly know it had an effect on Derby. I, I don't think that, I think, don't really it certainly think Certainly had an effect that. on Rotherham. Yes. Yeah. Well, exactly. Thank God. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. But you know, you take you take your Derby County hat off for a second and go, you know, that how unfair that really was on Rotherham. Uh, I mean, they were they're a bunch of shit houses in all fairness, so I don't really care. But um, you know, if that had have been us, you know, having to play eight games at the end of the season to, to for us to survive, I mean, let's face it, we kind of did anyway. It's a difficult but... challenge for any team, mm. I think. I mean, even even if you had asked, I mean, any team because the mentality is different when you're scraping for survival than it is. You know, if you're if you're one of the top teams for the playoffs, like you've got momentum, you're obviously a decent team because you're up there and you go, okay, you've got eight games to get into the playoffs. You've got eight games to get promoted. That's a different mindset than it's eight games to save your skins in this division. And oh, by the way, you're going to be playing every three days. And oh, by the way, you have a threadbare squad. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, taking taking it in non-objectively, non-Darby County view here, it was harsh on Rotherham to do that. But, you know, everybody was in kind of the same boat and they did have a massive, to that point, they did have a massive break in the middle of the season where they didn't play for about three or four weeks because of, because of COVID. But yeah, I think that would have affected any team, especially with the mentality. And then when you look at, um, you know, the squad depth that they have as well. And then obviously Matt Crooks getting sent off as well. They had a, there was also a a goal where uh, didn't, it was against Barnsley, wasn't it? Where the keeper, the ball went in and they called for a foul on the keeper and wasn't really a foul on the Barnsley keeper. I'm not so sure. Uh, It's one of them soft EFL, EFL referee decisions. Um, four of which have actually been promoted to the uh, to the to the Premier League for next year. So go figure, go figure <laughs> with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been tough ass for anybody, Jason. Dan, Jason, Dan, I'm going to come to you first. This is a way too early score prediction. We're sitting here in June, right, just before the Euro knockout or the Euros. The Euros start in earnest with the knockouts. Derby County, they've got 14 players on the books, 13 fit ones because Christian Bielik is obviously out with an ACL tear. Where's this? Where's Derby County finishing right now if I have to put you on the spot? Obviously, look, we know that they're going to sign players. We know that they're probably going to have to sign at least 10 players to be somewhat competitive. They're going to be shopping at the Primark clearance rack. That's just what we're. That's just kind of the nature of the beast of where Derby are at. Maybe even the, the clearance rack of a charity shop as well. Um, but where, where's this, where's this team? Where are you thinking Derby can finish next season? Yeah, no, I think, uh, Corey, your summary, summary just leads us to, to one conclusion, unfortunately, which I think is, is the relegation battle again, dare I say, you know, nailed on for bottom three without being too pessimistic. I, at this point, I'd, you know, bite your hand off for that position just outside the, the relegation zone for sure. Um, like you say, hopefully we get some players in and, and, you know, we have a stronger squad, but looking at it right now, it's, you can't really say anything other, in, in my opinion, unfortunately. But um, hoping, hoping upon hoping that we do finish just outside um, the relegation zone would be my take. I mean, you say, Dan, I don't want to be, I don't want to be much more pessimistic. Much more pessimistic, Dan, would be like liquidation. No, I, mean, I, think that's, yeah. I think that's a pretty, pretty fair assessment there. Jason, similar sentiments or do you have some optimi- optimism for me? I think you... <laughs> No, not really. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it in a way of in in the very very same way as I I try and look at every season. I mean, yeah, the way where Derby finished last season as a whole was a bit of a shock. Obviously, we watched most of it week in week out. We realised it wasn't that much of a shock when you watch the way that we were playing. But probably to a lot of outsiders and Corey with the guests that we spoke to last season, everybody was saying the exact same thing. How's Derby County got themselves into, into that position. And to be honest with you, I still don't think I know the 100% answer to that question now, but you look at it, you know, three teams have come up from the championship. Peterborough have not been in the championship for what, seven or eight years. I think it must be now for at least five or six. Anyway, are you really expecting them to pull up many trees? That that's that's argue you know that's arguable. Hull City the same. Obviously they've spent a couple of seasons away, um, and forgive me, I've completely forgotten who the other team is that's come up. Uh, Blackpool, of course, and again, you know, and Hull. Black, yeah, Hull, Blackpool, and, and Peterborough. Again, all three sides haven't been involved in the championship. I mean, you know, obviously I think Blackpool even dropped down to League Two, so that's going to be a massive ask for them. 
it's, it's going to be a huge ask for them. And we, but we say that every year. Then, of course, you've got, again, on paper, the bottom six clubs. You have to put Derby in there. Huddersfield, Birmingham, you know, the, the teams that were in and around it, are, are any of those in current climates really going to be able to change much? And I think that's probably the, a big key. Obviously, the three teams that come down and obviously the other three or four that were at the top of the league uh, last season who, who didn't get promotion, they're going to be in the stronger, they're going to be in the strongest positions. There's no doubt about that. I don't really expect much to change in that bottom half of the of the table. Maybe a couple of position shuffles, but I'm I'm not really expecting any of those bottoms, you know, bottom three or four that survived last season to be anywhere near anything else. And I think anywhere from twelve down is a complete guess, as it kind of was last year. Obviously, you know, Barnsley did really well. I think Luton, in all fairness, had quite an impressive season. I think Preston, you know, the QPR finished somewhere in around mid-table. You know, they're, they're teams who you probably would have expected to have been a little bit lower. But I think, in all fairness, when you looked at the bottom three who actually did go down, they would have arguably been the three that you would have picked at the beginning of the season, May, maybe one different. So it, it's really difficult. D- Derby are going to have to pull the fingers out and do something. We know that. We know there's a restriction to that. But what I would say is that free transfers, 10K a week, you probably are looking, I, I don't, you know, you're not looking at ex-Premier League players. I, I don't think that's, you know, dropping out of those 25-man squads. Don't think that's going to really happen. You might bolster that with a couple of loans if you can get them. But you are looking at championship journeymen and and players that you, you know, take, an advantage, take, a, take a punt on from League One. But there are other teams that come up, spend less than that on players. And they do perform in the championship. And actually, we, we've, I know me and you have both banged on about it. Dan, I'm sure you would agree, and I know a lot of fans would. Whilst it's an absolute shitstorm going on at Derby County at the moment, it's the reset that everybody wanted. The, the board is going gonna, is gonna to change. Who knows? Rooney might be out of a job in October. He might not even be there for the start of the season. The squad, 90% of it from two seasons ago, is, is going to be overhauled. It's kind of what everybody wanted. Probably not in the way that it's come about, but it, it, it has happened, and it gives a chance for Derby to to reset and and go back to some people might not appreciate what I'm about to say, but go back to the days of when Clough was bringing in those players on on free transfers on on five, six, seven, eight grand a week. But you knew that they were putting the effort in. They weren't the big names. They weren't there just for the money. They weren't there for anything else. Any club trying to bring 10 players in and, and get that to gel in such a short space of time, because let's face it, there's no, we are going to touch on it in a second, but it's all rumours at the minute. There's, there's nothing that's that's been, you know, we're still trying to work out four players' contracts if, if they're going to be with us again, you know, next season. But it's not impossible, but for, for it to all come in and all gel and all click within the space of six weeks, I think it's being a little bit optimistic, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I, I think so. I, I do agree. I'm on, in that same boat that the reset was needed from um, like the activities and the signings of the last sort of five, five, six years. I think the circumstances are different to, as you say, as to what we'd have hoped for. Um, what we're essentially going to be doing is scrambling around trying to get any player that wants to sign for us. I think what we'd have ideally had is a reset that has a strong scouting network behind it. And going back to that, that Clough era, you know, the signings of, of Bryson, um, Hendrick coming through at a, a young level through to the first team, that sort of thing, that that would be promising. I think, unfortunately, this summer is literally just going to be, will you come and sign for us, you know, Mr. Player? That's the kind of thing I think we're going to be looking at. But um, yeah, no, at least at least we've kind of drawn a line under that um, era of, you know, high spending and perhaps not getting the player that we, we wanted for that money that we're putting in. Um, so yeah, that's what, what I think on that. No, and... You would, you would have to expect that you know Derby will look towards their under twenty three squad again. Obviously, the likes of Sibley, who didn't really make that much of an impression on this on the side last season, you would expect him to be, or certainly if he's not in and around it, there's going to be moves away. You know, obviously, players leaving dependent in the likes of Lee Buchanan and Jason Knight and things like that. But if 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 they do stay for another season, they are going to be first names on team sheets, you are going to see them a lot more. You are probably going to see the likes of Festi Ebersaley playing more uh, as we did sort of at that back end. Um, obviously, one player that got released 
which was a bit of a surprise, was obviously Cameron Cresswell, who was involved towards the back end of the uh, in in the first team squads, banging really banging in the goals for the under twenty threes, and then for just him to you know obviously be be let go was a bit of a surprise. But it's I think it's going to be as you say, it's going to be a case of get whoever you can that might end up being thirty plus because there is going to be a lot of youngsters again in the core squad of Derby, but again. You know, you get the right blend. Those names that Clough signed were never, you know, I don't think any of them really took any Derby fan by, you know, oh, great, that was that, that's a good sign, until we'd seen them play. And then eventually, again, we've had it over the last five or six years where we have signed the Jack Marriott's, where we've signed Bradley Johnson, you know, those kind of players where you go, solid player. So, yeah, absolutely the type of player that you want. But then, in all fairness, under underperformed and... It could work. It could work. I think it's going to take, you know, I, I, I'm not kidding myself here. I don't think you can just throw a, a squad of uh, together like that in, in four weeks' time and expect it to work miracles. And as we say, maybe just to tie the two together, that beginning fixture run, you know, at least they're not got four or five big hitters to knock the stuffing out of them straight away. It might just take four or five games. Um, you know, and if they do just start to click, pick up a couple of wins, as I say, that can be a breeding ground. And b- before you know it, what's gone on before is is pretty much forgotten really yeah definitely jason i think when you you know to to your and dan's point whenever you're going to be it's going to be a strange old off season uh sorry there's the american coming out of me again it's going to be a strange old close season uh for derby again obviously we're now in june you've started to see that um some of the some of the clubs have already started to make some moves i know amari bell yesterday went to luton town uh, birmingham signed two yesterday as well Personally, for me, I don't think necessarily the transfer window is going to heat up too much until the dominoes of the big boys start to fall, and that won't be until really after the Euros or some of these bigger bigger club, bigger club, uh, nations get knocked out of the Euros. But, you know, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here in, in, in late June. Look, transfer window doesn't open until July anyway, so there are it's not a complete and total other worry. But I think when, when you are shopping, like I've said, at, at, the, at the Primark um, clearance rack, you know, um, or you're you're shopping at the clearance rack of charity shops. It's gonna be it's gonna be very difficult for for you to put together a team. Yes, there are valuable there are value out there in free agent signings, right? Uh, in unattached players, we've seen this throughout the years. But do you really have the confidence that the Derby County scouting team can can find those bargains or things like that? Or are we just plugging and playing holes, uh, plugging and playing gaps with? Hey, this person did did really well. I mean, I know this week, Derby were linked with Ryan Tunnycliffe, which. You go, okay, you know, yeah, kind of position of need, very experienced championship player, you know, but then again, it's Ryan Tunnycliffe. It's not like that's if that's your marquee signing of the summer, there's obviously something going wrong. And no disrespects to Ryan Tunnycliffe. Hopefully he comes because God, Darby need players. Um, but, you know, when you look at preseason starting it, yeah, I think the other thing that you have to look at is when preseason starting, which we're going to talk about next, in, in, within the next month, they're going to start returning to training within, I think it's like two and a half weeks. I mean, they can't even, they can, they can play, they can play, uh, they can't even play seven on seven. No, no, they can't even play seven on seven because they've only got 13 fit players. So Rooney or Rooney or Racine, you'll have to play in or Shea Given or something. So Shea Given won't, he's too busy on his iPad um, playing. Candy uh, well, Rooney, Rooney will be too busy at the uh, soccer aid, soccer aid. So no, he probably sorry, won't even be there. Falls on, falls on Liam Racine here again. Um, but yeah, so it, it is, it's, it's, I'm not necessarily as worried right now, but I think as as they return to training, as the pictures will start rolling them out of returning to, to to run in and doing the bleep tests and stuff like that, and Darby still have this set of players, yet you know it's starting to be a concern. And I think the thing that one, Jason, I'm a sucker for returning returning to training pictures. I love it. Yeah. Just just grown men in training kits, just pictures of them running. I don't know why. I'm just like, wow, that's just so cool. And it's just grown men in the same colored T-shirt running around a park. Like we've all seen it before. But I don't know why. It's just like the kid in me. I'm like, that. It's, it's happening. But I think if this was any other football club, and this is this is what I wanted to say, is like, if this was any other football club, if this was Nottingham Forest, or this was Luton, or this was Accrington Stanley, whoever they are, or this is, you know, Carlisle, or this is Blackpool, or whatever, and they had 14 senior players two and a half weeks before they returned to preseason training, what would we be saying? We'd be yeah. saying, it's amateur hour, it's a joke, look how poor that club's run, and whatever. But, you know, because we like Derby County and not just like Derby County, we love Derby County. That's why we're, we're doing podcasts and blogs and these different things because we do love them. That's why you and Dan go every week and spend your hard-earned money. Um, 
you know, we look at it like, oh, well, we've got time. But, you know, Einstein once said that the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting a different outcome. And that is exactly what Darby County is trying to do. When you look back at when Frank Lampard left, they had a shambolic preseason when they went to Florida. They came on my side of the, my side of the pond and that was shambolic in Florida. It was amateur hour. It was a joke, right? The, the game got canceled after 20 minutes because some idiot decided, oh, it'd be a great idea to play Bristol City in the freaking Florida humidity and heat. Oh, and oh, by the way, that brings in thunderstorms. It doesn't take a meteorological degree to understand that. It's just common sense, but whatever. So they had that shambolic thing. And then the following preseason, you know, uh, no, that was the preseason that, that Darby brought in, that Darby brought in Rooney and that changed, changed Philip Kaku's transfer targets, which set him up uh, inevitably for failure. And then last season, obviously it's a condensed one because of COVID. This preseason is feeling very much the same in veins as these. When you have a disrupted preseason, it affects you for the rest of the season. So yes, in the grand scheme of things, to not spread doom and gloom, there is still plenty of time for Darby to put a team together. Not worried about that one iota. Eventually they're going to have to sign 10 or 15 players, or I don't think they'll even be allowed to play because they can't, right? Or they'll be allowed to play. They just won't be competitive. I feel like Darby will be able to put a competitive team out by the time a ball is kicked in anger on the opening day of the season against Huddersfield. But on the, on the flip side of that, it just shows what a shambolic mess this football club is at the time. This is Derby County Football Club, okay? This is not a – I'll preface that with saying it's not Manchester United. It's not a, it's not a size of Manchester United or Liverpool or even – It's Aston. not Barcelona either, Corey. No, it's not Barcelona. And it's not like – it's not the size of Nottingham Forest either because they're much smaller, right? I have to get my dig in. But Derby County is a big football club. Okay. When you look at the championship and you look at the level that they're competing at, Darby County is a big football club. And this big football club that yes, the glory days are behind them because they had last won something in the seventies, right? The glory days are behind the team on the other side of a 52 as well, but it's starting to become an amateur hour joke. And I, and I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I wanted to try to come on here and be positive, but they are expecting a different outcome me and Dan were talking about this offline, Jason, right? Darby have Darby in a worse position personnel wise today than the team that survived in the championship due to Marlon Pack's goal. Okay. On the final day of the season, they were in a worse position. Waghorn is not re-signed. Not that Waghorn's great, but that you're losing a body. Curtis Davis. Yeah. Okay. He played for 20 minutes in a heroic performance and his leadership and his intangibles, he should probably be given a new deal because what else are you going to get at this stage other than a 36-year-old journeyman? Um, Andre Wisdom, not been re-signed. There's a couple others. Henrik Ravass, obviously not in the first team, but those are three key first teamers, right, that you've not re-signed. Jack Marriott, love him or hate him, Jack Marriott was offered a contract extension, which was then inevitably his registration card was turned back by the EFL because Darby couldn't pay the players. So they're going to lose him to free to either Hull or Peterborough. It looks like he's probably going to go to Peterborough, according to Peter O'Rourke of Sky. But that's a four, four and a half million pound investment on the accounts that you're losing for nothing because of ineptitude at the boardroom level. So Darby are expecting to go into a season with 14 players, one of which is recovering from an ACL, their second ACL tear in as many years. Okay. Also, you're going to add to the disruption of the preseason by, and this is not Darby County's doing, but it's just the luck of the draw. Darby got Salford away. We don't know what's going to happen with that Salford friendly. I think we all three have anticipate that that will probably be canceled because let's be honest, it's not like Darby can play a second team against Salford because they ain't got a second team. Okay. Archie Brown, who had kind of stagnated at the U23s, he's gone to Lucerne in, Swiss, in the Swiss Super League. So he's out the picture. Not that he was really going to be a, a starter or really feature much anyway. Um, Cameron Questwell has been let go. Festi Abicelli put on Instagram that he's signing a new contract, supposedly. Right? But no disrespects. Festi Abicelli up front or on the bench for Derby, he's not a difference maker. He's a kid at the end of the day. He's probably better at football than me. He certainly is. He's probably definitely better at podcasting than me. I, that, hands down, that's 100% accurate. But the problem is, is that they are expecting to go into a season and expect different results by doing the same things. Yes, I understand their hands are tied by a transfer embargo, right? Last year, they were able to get David Marshall and, you know, at least David Marshall in. There is no movement. So it is, it is starting to become a bit of a, a little bit of a concern if I want to be a little bit of a, a scaremonger here because 
I want Derby County to be competitive I, because the only way this club is going right now is they're asking for a one-way ticket to League One. Dan, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's one of them where if this wasn't like my club and I was really fearful for the season ahead, I'd, I'd generally be quite fascinated to see how a club starts a season and progresses through the season with having, as you say, 13 players ultimately who can play, um, none of which are a centre-half either, which is, you know, a spine of a team. You're going to be looking at probably a couple of under-23 players or younger fielding, fielding them in friendlies at centre-half um, and then trying to build the spine of a team with with free agents. It, it will be objectively really interesting to see how the, the club does that. Um, it's just a shame that it's Derby and we have to yeah, go through it as season ticket holders and viewers and stuff to see actually how that's going to pan out. Um, yeah, I think that it's interesting you said about um, Cresswell as well. Um, I'm sure he'll go on to be a, a, an EFL player of some sorts and a bigger player. But if he was the the kind of last of the under-23s to be pushed into the first team and yet he's been released, that you know is then the academy kind of drying up for quality to come through as well. Does that make you think that? Um, I'm not sure, but that's that's something I thought when I saw him him be released. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a scramble to to field players in those pre seasons. Um, I also thought actually as a as a tangent that I kind of forgot about the Gary Bowyer link to Salford as well. That's going to be an interesting thing, and probably more so in the cup game now. But that'll be uh, interesting to see him bring a team back to, to Derby, um, and of course probably play against a lot of the the youth players that he coached for a while. So yeah, that'll be interesting as well. You mentioned both of you mentioned preseason. Let, let's let's run through what's been announced. As we say, um, with all the doom and gloom happening, Corey, at least we can look forward to seeing Manchester United come and tear Derby County apart. Um, to be fair, most of the most of the Manchester United players will be rested because of the Euros. Yeah, well, so we can watch Manchester United's U23 team rip Derby a new one. Well, that's fine be fun as well. We might pick four or five of them up after. They might we might smuggle them and don't let them back on the bus or something. Maybe that's what happens when Cuba comes to play America. All the Cubans <laughs> run out of the hotel and then they just they just stay here because they abscond. So maybe it'd be a similar situation. Maybe so. But that is Sunday the eighteenth of July. That is the first preseason at home against Manchester United. Uh, as you, as we said, Salford uh, is the week after on the Saturday, but we're guessing that's probably going to be cancelled. It hasn't yet. I would be shocked if they if they still play that one. Um, and then, of course, the game just before the curtain raiser, um, Real Betis at home, which is you know it's nice. The last couple of years we haven't actually had a, a foreign you know a team come over. Uh, we've we've had is it Stoke? We've had we've played at home and I think the last two foreign ones crap. weren't the last two foreign ones Hoffenheim and Fiorentina. Uh, it may well have been, but I, I know it, obviously I think we've had was, Stoke. We Wolves. had Wolves. We've had Stoke. I think we've had Wolves. Um, yeah, they they're not. I mean, I think we beat Wolves, and then look at the season that we had. Um, so you know, it's I like preseason. Oh, of course, there's Notts County after that, which I know I'm looking forward to if, if fans are allowed in, that's, that's always a good one. Um, but you, you know, as you say there, we know pre-seasons about building fitness and, and things like that, but Manchester United, as you say, there's no way most of their first teamers are playing in that game. Salford would have been a good one. Uh, had it obviously not been for the cup draw. And I, as I say, I would be amazed if that one didn't get cancelled because Salford would have put obviously a solid side out. That would have been actually a, a pretty decent test for Derby. Um, and the Notts County one more than likely will be, you know, a pretty decent test. And then Real Betis, we just don't know what, you know, kind of team will come over for that. Again, you, you know, you're looking at, you're still looking at COVID restrictions and, and things like that. It is, you know, will that one actually ever go ahead? We, we don't know, but at the minute that's what's scheduled in. But actually I'm quite surprised there's only four. Normally, I'm, I'm sure there are some under-23 ones as well, which, let's face it, at the minute, off the first team are going to have to play in that one as well because we haven't really got two separate sides. But I, I know normally you would expect five or six friendlies, you know, building it up. But technically, at this moment in time, we've only got four, probably going to only end up with three. Um, and as I'll you tell say, you one Corey, thing, Jason. I just, looked up, I just looked up the squad for Real Betis. Claudio Bravo. Okay, these are some of the players that play for Real Betis. Claudio Bra Bravo, Nabil Fakir, the French player, Joaquin, mm. Andres Gudado, the Mexican international, William Carvalho at Portugal, 
Um, and then they've also got Mark Barcher, formerly of Dortmund. Um, and uh, yeah, so I didn't realize that they have like, I didn't realize they were as good as what they are. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty gosh darn good. They were one of the top teams in La Liga as well. So that yeah, will be a very different test for, for Derby. It will, but I mean, again, we, we don't mind that. You know, that's what Derby need. And as we say, you know, certainly when, with the position that Derby are in at the moment, they are going to bring in seven, eight players. They've got to. I don't see how they can't. The more practice they get in, you can't really call them meaningful games because they are only pre-season, but the more match time and match games that they have and match sharpness together could only benefit. So actually only having three or four, I think that's a little bit a little bit low, actually. I'm, I'm quite surprised that there's not, there's not a few more, but still, that is the preseason that's been announced. Um, and yeah, now we just need, we just need a, a squad to, to to play them with. I mean, I, to be honest with you, it's an episode that we'll do in a couple of weeks where we'll we'll dig through and actually go through exactly what we need. And of course, we're talking about fourteen players, and Dan, we just mentioned it there. That's before any leave derby who are actually contracted. There was rumours towards the back end of last season about David Marshall's position at Derby. The Obviously, Kel Roos, we know he's not a number one goalkeeper. I'm sorry, he's, he's just not. I mean, yeah, you can keep him around if that's what he wants to do. That's fine. And then, of course, there's the likes of uh, Sibley, Buchanan, Knight. And Derby aren't in a position where they can go, no, you're not going because we haven't got replacements for you. Derby are not in that position because they'll just see they'll just see the pound signs, uh, I would have thought, and get you know, get in what they can. And that's gonna be that's gonna make it even difficult. So actually, Corey, you know, lining up lining up on whatever day it is that they go back to preseason, like you say, I think it's the second week in July, they might actually be less than than the 13 players. I actually think uh, Christian Bielik will probably I've got a feeling he's gonna be fit for preseason. Um I've just got an inkling. I don't know why. And, and of course, he is, he is water, the, as they say. Yeah. And he is the all savior. Uh, you know, we'll just put him out. He'll be fine. Uh, and we'll win the league. But no, obviously. And he can play center half as well. He can. Well, there you go. And you might have to force him into playing that uh, by the sounds of it. But but we'll see. Um, and as we say, I think, again, and you know, the, the couple of contracted or run out of contract players that you just mentioned there, Whilst in an ideal world, would you re-sign any of them? I'd argue that point. Probably not. I think it's it's almost critical that they kind of have to just to get bodies in a bit more familiarity. You know, familiarity. Um, at least they know the club. They know everything else. But if you do go into that and you were relying on Curtis Davis at 36 playing 46 championship games, then you know, Derby are banging trouble from the get-go if we didn't already think they were in, in absolute trouble. But we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, and I think and I think to Dan's point, it's going to be very interesting whether, like Dan said, obviously you would hope that this would be a club that you're watching from afar and not the club that you support day in and day out and love. But it will be a very interesting off-season, uh, closed season. And I think it will be, I think things will heat up. I know I went on a little bit of a rant earlier, but I think things will heat up. I think this club will get, some good solid professionals. And I think there will be a couple surprises of, of what players that Derby can get um, and they, and they can do. And I think the Derby will be able to put together a team that will, obviously it will look massively different, but, but yeah, it, it will be exciting and things, things will heat up here uh, very shortly. Cause I know obviously the transfer market's starting to heat up as teams, like I said, get knocked out of the Euros, right? City's making moves for Kane and city's going to make a move for Grealish and Sancho's going and not that those moves affect Darby, but there's a domino effect. And once the dominoes fall, the big fish feed, then the middle fish feed, then the small fish feed, then the championship clubs feed. Right. So it will be some sort of domino effect, waterfall effect. And it, and it will be very interesting for this club. We have been saying this for years that this club needed a reset. We've been saying for years that this club needed a change. And obviously league one would have perpetuated that change. Right. I don't think they're going to go down to League One. I don't think that's a realistic expectation from the EFL to do that. I think that was scaremongering tactics from the EFL. But I do think that um, we will we will see a different derby, and it will be very interesting to see how they go about doing their business. And I would anticipate that there's going to be some there's going to have to be some sort of movement here very shortly um, to be able to get everybody in, and gelled in period of time to to get everything sorted. So I know I went on a little bit of a rant earlier, but, but Dan's right. It's going to be a very interesting 
I went on a rant for like the second podcast of the new season. That's pathetic. <laughs> That's bad for me. No, um, but fine. you know, like, like Dan was saying, it, it's going to be a very interesting off season or a close season. So I'm excited to, to see how it shakes out because at the end of the day, I'm not flipping the bill for the wages every week. So I can be a, an, an, an interested party from outside um, to, to do that. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think the, the final point before we kind of wrap up the pod on the transfers and then finally just a quick mention on the takeover that we still don't really know about is we said it, we said it, Corey, I think that, you know, because of COVID finances, a lot of clubs, th- there was going to be a lot of moving and shaking in terms of free transfers. Dan, do you think because of that, that actually might, for some strange reason, actually benefit Derby, that there are going to be the players available on free transfers because clubs will be letting more more of their squad go? Um, okay, you know, they might be hit and miss players. You might not get in quite the quality that you're looking for. But in terms of, you know, numbers through the door, you would still have to expect most in the championship, they're not going to be spending 15 million pounds this summer. It's going to be a lot of low, low spending, if any any fees at all. Does that play into Derby's hands a bit? I think, I think it definitely helps that the, the pool of released players is, is bigger. Um, So that's, that's a good start. Um, I would, I would think that from what I know and what Corey and I spoke about as, you know, being a, a soft embargo on a football club, the, the fear for me is that, um, you know, we might be looking at a player and then uh, a team around us or a team that's coming up into the championship. I think he'd be a good free signing for us and perhaps they can offer, even if it's 1,000, 2,000 more a week and there's there's no uncertainty about players being paid and stuff like that. Will will there be more attractive proposals even for free agents out there? Possibly. Um, but yeah, to your point about having a bigger pool of release players that that will at least give us more targets to go for I'd imagine but I think there's going to be a lot of convincing on Derby's part to get players to sign um, until this kind of cloud hanging over us uh, moves on so yeah we'll have to see and I think that that segues us into that that final point quite nicely whilst everything going on with the EFL and and finances and and whatever yeah that is you know that is a big worry obviously the big one is is the takeover well Let's face it, there's not really much other news to, to talk about with that other than apparently talks are ongoing. Um, and obviously, Corey, we spoke to we spoke to Kieran uh, about this and, you know, what he kind of knew. And, you know, we've, we I was listening to Radio Derby uh, on the sports scene last night, um, the other night, and, you know, listening about, you know, t- this takeover, how long is it going to take? Are Derby going to be taken over this summer? And everybody's consensus is that, that it's got to happen this summer. But the timescale of that, is that really expected? You know, it, it, it's going to be to Derby's detriment if it isn't. But what we don't want is to rush something through, as we kind of did twice. And luckily, I think, we know our opinions, we've had our opinions on this. Twice, we quite luckily missed out on that opportunity from those, uh, from those takeovers. So is it actually better for Derby in the long term, even though the short term is so important at the moment, can you kind of hold that back and go, yeah, but Derby have got to get this one right. And if it isn't until Christmas, if it isn't until March, February, March next year, whatever position Derby are in, in the league on the pitch, whatever it may well be, the future, Derby going down to league one's bad, but it wouldn't end the club. Whereas the wrong decision now could really put Derby out of business. I think for me, I think we had talked that we've talked a lot about, about how a lot of these transfer deals are done um, out of the public eye, right? Burnley, they only found out they were going to be taken over like a couple weeks, three or four weeks before it happened. The problem with Derby is it's been done very publicly. Now what's happening is obviously with BZG um, and then you have uh, Eric Alonzo, whatever that was, um, now they're trying to do it quietly and they're trying to do it the right way. The problem is, is that us as fans and the media know that something's cooking. So it's, it's feeding the sensational appetite. These deals take time and there's a lot of money's involved. There's different 
holding companies involved. There's different shell companies involved. There's different mortgages involved, right? We know obviously of the two with Michael, uh, Michael Dell's MSD group. So it will be, it will be very, it will be very interesting um, to see where it goes. I think to your question, Jason, I think the long-term sustainability of this football club is more important than anything in the short term. Obviously us as fans, we want Derby in the Premier League as quick as possible. That's what we've, that's the end goal, right? That should be the goal for every team when they kick off the new season to play in, play in the higher division. But I think if the uncertainty is painful and everything like that, but what would be painful if Derby County didn't exist? So I think that you need to get, you need to take your time and get this one right. Because the problem is you've had two failed takeovers, right? And from a PR perspective, it's starting to look really, really bad. People are going to know, oh, if this one falls through, well, they're really desperate. And then you're going to get some real sharks, or as Kieran Maguire said on our last podcast, fantasists that are going to come in and they're going to try, they're going to try to not take the Mickey out of Derby, but they're not going to have the wherewithal to do this. I think getting this right is more important than getting, getting it done quickly. Now I will say, I do know categorically with about a 90%, 95% assurance that it's not Ted Leonsis. I know this. I have talked to Ted Leonsis. It's not Ted Leonsis. It might very well could be. I don't know. I might be ending up with egg on my face, but it's, it's very important for this to get it right. And, and I think right now they're going down the American Consortium group. Regardless of nationality, whoever they are, that's irrelevant. What's relevant is that they have the best interest of Derby County, that they have the best interest for the football club to move it forward and to progress it, and that they want to, they want to um, build something at this club. They want to move this club forward in some way. I don't know why you'd want to own something and not do it, but sometimes rich people have very weird ways of doing business, and it's like playthings, right? Mm. So hopefully they can come in, and hopefully this can get sorted. If it's Christmas, it's Christmas. If it's next year, it's next year, but it just needs to get sorted. What I will say is this is another thing that we talked about with Kieran McGuire, Jason. A new owner does not does, a new owner coming in does not absolve Darby of all their sins with the EFL. It does not say new owners come in, those three years of missing accounts, the EFL charge, it all goes away. Is there some personal vendetta against Mel Morris? Yes, probably there is. A smidge. A smidge, because Darby did do some stuff wrong, or they did sue some stuff in a, in a gray area. I'll put it that way. And they're getting called out on it. They don't like it. But a new owner coming in, if, if, if the three of us take over Darby County tomorrow, we still have the same issues. It doesn't just wipe the slate clean, which is, I think, a lot of, a lot of, I'm not going to say a lot, but I think some fans think that they're going to come in, wave the magic wand. This is all going to go away. This is all whatever. Darby County, the football club is an issue, whoever is the owner, right? If you buy a house with a leaky roof, it still has a leaky roof when you buy it. Mm -mm. I mean, obviously you wouldn't buy one with a leaky roof. You tell the owner to fix it, but you, you get my, you get my drift, right? Yeah. It's got bad not, grass. It's still got bad grass when you buy it. it it's not like it's going to walk in and everything's going to be fixed for you. I think a lot so, of the fans, Corey, it, it, for me personally, and I'll, I'll put my hands up and say this personally, and Dan will get your opinion on this as well. You're right. Takeover comes tomorrow. Dob, you're still in. Are still in big trouble with squads, with with finances, with with whatever. Now it, it now, helps, but it doesn't. It helps, but it doesn't absolve all of the problems. No, it helps. But, but I, it's better than the situation we're in right now, but it doesn't absolve. No, but I think a lot of the fan for me, from what I'm kind of hearing, and this is genuinely my feet, 100% my feeling, is that the people at the moment who are running the club and making the big decisions are the wrong people to be making those decisions. So Derby could still, yet yeah, they will still be in the mire. Maybe, maybe if you're another 12, 18 months, two years, three years, whatever. But if the right people come in who are calling the right shots, I think that will settle a lot of fans' nerves. I think that would settle a lot of fans' frustrations um, because the club will go, you would hope. I know it's not guaranteed, but you would hope then the club would start to go in a different direction. That might still be down for the next two years. But some point down the line, we've had the same regime in charge for five or six years now. And if you look at it as a collective over that five, six years, they have, in all fairness, hand on heart, made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And eventually it's come and bitten them on the arse. 
They, they can't find a loophole around it. They've eventually been called out for it. They're not the right people to, to be making to be making further decisions at Derby. Obviously, they, they're going to be at the moment because technically they're still in charge. They have the keys to Pride Park. Or oh, somebody does. We don't know who. Um, but you know, they've still got they've still got to make these decisions day in, day out. I mean, obviously, we, we don't know. This one has been kept very tight-lipped. We don't know who it is. We don't know what their involvement is. You would have to think that if they are in the process of purchasing Derby County, they are of abreast of all this information from the EFL, decisions, finances, all that. And you, you, you don't know if they're the ones that are saying, eh, hang on a minute, if we're buying from you, you'll say this. If you want to say that, absolutely fine. But if you actually want us to buy this from you, you'll do it the way that we want you to do it. And if that's the case, then the right decisions, again, might be being made behind the scenes already. But, of course, we just don't know that. Dan, for the last five minutes, just your thoughts on on what we've just been discussing in the takeover, the takeover in general at the moment. Yeah, no, I think um, for me, there's like a couple of things. I think when when a takeover does inevitably happen, um, the club will be perceived entirely differently by everyone from fans to players to the media. And, and that is, that's needed. I think um, purely talking on the, on the pitch level, it might be a deciding factor in, in bringing players in and making us more attractive. So that would be, I think, hugely helpful. I remember actually back sort of, I think it must've been January, February time when there was a, a clamour then where people were saying the takeover needs to happen now, like in order for us to be ready for, the end of the season um, and the next season. So it, it's kind of times past and times past. And now it feels like, um, you know, it needs to happen within a week almost for it to, to have any impact on the season coming up, which I don't think is is going to happen. Um, so, yeah, it, it feels like the next season is is limbo again, um, where we're, we're waiting to see if the club's fought over. Um, and it could be at that point that we haven't done enough on the pitch to to secure championship status. It, it could be it could be that if the, the deal is not done until you know Christmas, New Year sort of thing. So I think on the whole, everyone's desperate for it to happen, just so we can all take that big sigh of relief and and feel like you know a new era is is dawning at Derby. Um, but whether it will happen quickly enough to have an impact straight away, I, I probably doubt that. Um, but I'm, I'm on the same same train of thought that it's got to be the the right the right people. I think everyone's aware of the last sort of two takeover attempts and how they played out. Um, we've got to do the complete opposite to them. Them kind of groups going forwards, I think, and get people in that really have a plan for the the, the football club and take us forward. I think that does that not just come full circle again back back round to the transfers? Who's going to want to come to Derby when they don't even know? You know, they sign a three year deal. Great, but after that first twelve months, they might have the wages cut by fifty percent because they're the dropping into League One. It, it's it's it is a big mess. Still, we know that it's we obviously we're trying to put a bit of a, a not a positive on it, but just trying to make make a bit more sense of it. And it's 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 going to be difficult. But I'd rather I think I am of the consensus if you have to take two steps forward backwards to go you know one forward then. Then so be it. And Corey, I know back end of last season, we were even saying the same, whilst it would be devastating for Derby to get relegated. And we were in constant contact on that last game of the season against Sheffield Wednesday. And obviously we were minutes away from that happening. And the feeling there was was horrible. Um, and that was, you know, even then going through all the rest of what's going going to be going on for the next however many months with everything off the field. Still doing that as a championship club gives you that slight bit of positivity rather than, trying to do it in the championship and uh, in, in league one. And of course we would fully anticipate that come August the 7th or whatever it is, that first game against Uddersfield, there will be bums on seats. There will be money coming, coming into the coffers. So again, it might, I think it's going to be very, very small steps. Dan, I think you bang on. It's another season of limbo, but the, the, there are some shining, shining lights, hopefully just starting to come through. And then of course, it's all going to be about how that's perceived by by everybody and and how well that's that's operated off the field. And as we say, if it's next season in, in, into next year that the takeover finally goes through, then then so be it. I'd rather that than somebody come in and obviously it, it just gets no better in six months and and that's that's the way that it's going to be. But Corey, any final thoughts for the last at all, or are we are we done? You know, Jason, I think um, I think I think you're dead on, and I think that that this will be, you know, like we've said, an interesting close season for Derby and, and it'll be an interesting season. And I think, again, I said this at the beginning of last season, 
Uh, I said this throughout the course of the season. I'm going to say it again now. I think lowering the expectations of this football club and what we expect from them will be very helpful for the season going forward because sometimes the players can get weighed down with the weight of expectation. Um, and I think, you know, let's just get back to, to players running and being, you know, seeing players in training, uh, seeing, seeing the games, and let's just start enjoying football again because I know the Euros um, have been fantastic. Uh, they've been great. But, uh, you know, it'll be nice to see some club football back as well. And, and whatever happens with Derby will happen, but, you know, it will be a, it'll be an enjoyable watch one way or another uh, because the, the Derby never do things by half. So, um, and in the closing, Jason, I'd just like to thank Dan for, um, you know, being the, the newest member of the Rams Review podcast team. So you'll be hearing Dan um, throughout the season and, and reading, his, reading his work. So, Dan, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today and, and you know, wanting to, to be a part of this and, 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 you know, you've been, it's been fantastic chatting with you and, and talking with you over this, over this long week. So I know it's been a while to get on your podcast debut, but um, we're, we're so grateful that, that you've wanted to, to spend some time with us and, and be a part of this. No, cool. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's good to be, yeah, looking forward to the season ahead and I'm sure there'll be twists and turns and I'll, I'll talk them through with you. Sounds good. Yeah. As always, there's always twists and turns, isn't there? And of course it, it shouldn't be too far before the new kits come out. Corey, you love a kit. I love a goalkeeping kit. I've heard a couple of rumours on Twitter earlier today that there might be still some pink involved in a goalkeeping shirt. It uh, could be, could be, could be epic. We, we just I don't. Think, I think Jason's more of a fan of not a goalkeeping shirt, but a loud goalkeeping yeah, shirt, do. like Jorge Campos, Mexico '94 yeah. loud. I do um, like. Yeah, the mega store is shut. It'll be opening again on July 16th. So possibly that might be when the new kit is unveiled. It could be sooner, but. Maybe it has a hint of blue because a lot of Derby's new promotional graphics do have blue in it. So I have heard the Argentina that- stripes, please God, let it be Argentina stripes. It probably <laughs> won't be. Um, but again, new kit, new fresh ideas. And you look at yourself and you think, is that the one we're getting promoted in? Oh, baby. Well, yeah. I mean, you would think, like you said, I did see about the mega store and you would think that obviously the, the preseason friendlies, they'll be playing in the new kit. So something's going to come in the, in the next week or two about that. Certainly the home shirt anyway. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. And that is it, Dan, as, as just to, just to echo what Corey said, thank, thanks for joining us today. As I say, it, new, newest member of, uh, of the Rams review team. It's going to be great to have your involvement further down the line throughout the season. Uh, hope you've enjoyed your first one. Hope it hasn't been too scary for you. Um, and hopefully the, this coming season, we will have a lot more positivity to talk about. But Corey, as you well know from last season, actually ranting about things week in, week out, although it wasn't great for the ticker, it, it was entertaining. It, it was good. It was fun. It was fun. Um, yeah, fun. it was. But I, but I am hoping, obviously, for a lot more positives. And Dan, you might be that good omen that Derby needs. Who knows? I hope so. I hope to be that for sure. <laughs> no worries. And that is all for this episode of the Rams Review podcast. And as always, up the Rams. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.